0: Welcome back to this episode of the Women's Empowerment Podcast. My name is Delores Andrew, and I'm a holistic life coach and corporate wellness trainer. In this episode, I'm delighted to talk to Nicola Wolf about all things menopause. I hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to this episode of the Women's Empowerment Podcast. I'm delighted to have uh, Nicola Wolf on as guest today. And I think that this is, well, I know it's a conversation that that a lot of us women will enjoy and in fact it's a conversation that Nicola really wants to have with the world. Nicola has a background in nursing education and mental health and she's also the creator of Menopause Maze which supports women on their perimenopause and menopause journeys. Now Nicola I know that you're a passionate advocate for empowering women to take proactive steps to optimize optimize their own physical and mental health during this stage of our lives, because as women, we're going to go through it. We're all going to go through it. And the more clarity that we can have for ourselves, the more actively we can be involved in our own healthcare decisions armed with the correct information. Nicola,
1: you're welcome. Thanks. Thanks very much, Dolores. I'm delighted to be here. And thanks for giving me this opportunity to talk about a topic like that, that you said, I am passionate about. Um, I, it pro- it came from the fact that my own journey uh, so far into menopause surprised me and i like really actually kind of knocked me sideways and i thought that arrogantly probably I would have thought well I know what menopause is about um, as you said I'm a nurse my background is nursing I've, I was a nurse tutor Um, you know so I have I have done training in terms of health care and mental health care um, but actually when menopause perimenopause began to hit me first of all I didn't know what it was and in retrospect I learned what was happening to me and felt very Annoyed by the fact that um, I wasn't pre-warned in terms of education as to how to uh, place myself in the best shape to go into this stage of our lives. So I that's my real passion that we we as women and some non-binary people and some transgender men who, um, you know, we who are entering this stage of our lives need to be informed in advance so that we can take steps to optimize our health.
0: Absolutely, Nicola. And, you know, I think, isn't it, we can definitely have more empathy when we've gone through something ourselves. I know that for a fact from the work I do as a coach. So, you know, I mean, the way you talk about and the way you um, educate people is about really realizing that, and I learned this from, um, from, from hearing you speak on another podcast, is how important the hormones are like estrogen being a master regulator of our brain. Yes. And you talk about us having estrogen receptors all over our body. Can you yes. take us a little that journey of the
1: of, Yeah. Of the so, hormones. Of course because hormones are fundamental. I mean hormones is why we are, are at times struggling with the this stage of life. So the three key hormones are estrogen, progesterone and testosterone. And I think we are all by and large quite familiar with those. It's not like, it's not a word we haven't heard for most of us. So we know that um, estrogen is known as the female hormone and um, testosterone actually is known as the male, male hormone. Although we actually produce more testosterone when our ovaries are functioning, we produce more testosterone than we do oestrogen, which surprises a lot of women. So testosterone is equally very important and progesterone is like the pregnancy hormone. So oestrogen, is, uh, important in terms of, you know, getting those eggs released in our ovaries and so that we can, um, you know, carry a baby or fertilize an egg and carry a baby. Progesterone strengthens the length, the lining of the womb so that the pregnancy is secure. And then testosterone fun- functions in lots of ways, including our bone health and our muscle health and our mental health. But estrogen really is um, it's, it's extremely fundamental to us in terms of how we function and how well we feel. And you literally could go through every system of the body and determine um, estrogen's relevance. So, it, from everything from how our hair is, like in, in perimenopause, you might notice a difference in your hair. For example, I probably realized in retrospect that when I suddenly needed to use conditioner in my hair, that was because of my hormones changing and my loss of some estrogen. My skin changed um, my nails change, how I how strong I feel changes. So there, there's it literally is a case that those hormones function, how we uh, feel physically and feel mentally. So symptoms like uh, hot flushes and night sweat there because our hypothalamus in our brain needs estrogen and because it's not getting enough estrogen and um, our balance system around temperature control is a bit uh, goes a bit skewy and we can't control temperatures as readily so it takes very little to send us into a hot flush uh, for example another common symptom is um, brain fog and difficulty concentrating and again that's to do with the estrogen in not being there in our brain sufficiently and our um Hippocampus is struggling in our brain to make sure our memory stays sharp. So like Lisa is Dr. Lisa Moscone is a neuroscientist and she has written a fabulous book called The XX Brain. And I would really recommend women to read that book. It's a a, a readable, very informative book about how fundamental oestrogen is to our brains. And she has come up with that phrase that oestrogen is the master regulator of the female brain. And when we are struggling with our levels of oestrogen, we feel it in our brain we can't use the same energy uh, that the brain needs to function and our brain is like it's it's the one of the most important organs along with our heart and our lungs to function but in terms of our thinking and how how sharp we are and how competent we are we feel that loss of estrogen uh, in terms of our brain when we don't have it when we're going through perimenopause Uh, the other hormones like testosterone in particular Um, That again, is also very relevant to our brain function and our mood and how we feel in terms of our mental health. We can uh, often feel quite low and and tearful, uh, quite anxious. And that is both testosterone and oestrogen have an effect on our brain because the amygdala, which is the place in our brain where we recognize threat, it will fire off much more quickly when oestrogen and testosterone are lower in our systems. Also, because we have um, low melatonin, which is another hormone that drops in our um, perimenopause, cortisol rises higher, and that then contributes to our nighttime wakening. So during the night, we will often wake at two in the morning, and that's because our melatonin has fallen as well. So the hormones have a very fundamental impact on how well we feel both physically and mentally.
0: Gosh, yeah, that's fen- it's it's. I love the way you describe everything, and you describe it in such a way that um, it really shows us that it's not just one thing or the other. And actually, as you're talking, I'm looking, going, yeah, my nails have definitely changed completely, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't actually even. I suppose I should know that, but there again, that's what people like yourself are 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 here to talk about because, I you know, I wouldn't have realized how important oestrogen was um, in so many ways. And you know, I've heard you talk as well about. The way women describe like not recognizing themselves. And I also heard you talk about about someone, you know, about how we can look at menopause as fatigue of our soul. I mean, these are very, very highly charged emotions that women will feel at some stage in their life.
1: Yes, and I, I mean a woman has said that that she felt it was a fatigue of her soul, and I thought that was very poignant um, that uh, somebody would feel that way, uh, and and I could understand the this the strength of that feeling because when when we don't have sufficient estrogen and progesterone and testosterone, estrogen and testosterone in particular, um, we really do struggle to. Um, well, not always, and not all women, it's important of to course, say. Yeah. But um, 80% of women will experience mild to moderate symptoms as a result of perimenopause. 20% won't, and that's fantastic. But the other 80% will, and some will experience quite severe symptoms. In fact, one in four women will leave their job because of the level of symptoms they they experience. And I know from my own experience that there was a time in the when I was in my early 40s, mid-40s probably, where I began to feel like, who am I? Mm-hmm. Where am I? What what am I bringing to this, to the to my life and to the people I share my life with? How relevant am, am I? And I really felt a bit lost and like I didn't recognize myself. And that was in hindsight, that was because of my levels of estrogen and progest- progesterone declining. And I absolutely didn't recognize that as such. So um, I do feel that if we are informed, then we can. Take more care of ourselves, you know, and, and and instead of, you know, thinking, well, this is because I'm working very hard or it's because my children are in their teenage years or it's because I have responsibilities in terms of older parents or whatever. Because we are, you know, we do have a lot of responsibilities at this stage of our life, um, but we would actually be sufficiently educated to say hold on a minute something else is going on Mm -hmm. like it's important to remember that there's an increase in terms of the rate of suicide in women in their uh, 40s to 50s and that 45 to 55 kind of is the highest rate of suicide for women and that's really Like, is that just because of life pressures? I kind of find that hard to believe. I would say that the hormone changing uh, at that time is very relevant to how a woman feels emotionally. Uh, So it is a time of um, readjustment and uh, getting to know yourself properly and taking care of yourself. I would really love for women to undergo radical self-care. Mm. But not just at this stage. I, what I would really love, Dolores, is that women are sufficiently formed in advance so that they've begun to radically say self-care before the hormones have started to shift. Because that's what kind of um, irritation annoyed me was that I didn't know this in advance. So if you look as well as it's important to consider that it's not just about the symptoms of menopause and perimenopause that we're experiencing during these years of being in our 40s and mid-50s. It's the impact the hormones, the absence of hormones has on our health as we age. So our risk of osteoporosis is so much higher than men. Our risk of heart disease is, for, is, is, so, is very, very high. And in fact, you know, we die from heart disease more than um, many other diseases, but we don't seem to realize that. Our risk of Alzheimer's disease, like out of every three cases of Alzheimer's, two will be women. So all of these um, are linked to a decreasing level of hormones that we have available to us as we age And, and it's that's the that's the very serious issue as far as I'm concerned that it's that we are not sufficiently informed to actually take active steps like health isn't a passive reality You have to be active to be healthy uh, in terms of being active with regard to your diet, being active in regard to your protecting your mental health, like taking responsibility and taking some actions to promote your health overall. It's not going to just happen to you as a passive uh, reality. You have to take steps. And if we know that in advance, then perhaps we have a better chance of doing that. Like I do believe that the absence of care and education that has been the reality, it is changing. We're not there yet, but it is certainly changing over the past two years. But the absence of that health and education care to women in perimenopause and menopause is one of the biggest health care, health inequalities. Um, and it places us at a huge disadvantage in terms of how healthy we are as we age. Absolutely. But Nicola, where do you see this health care gap, you know? Well, if, if you don't understand what's happening, yeah. if you don't understand what's going to happen to you, then you won't take action. We should really be taking action in our 30s. So we should be looking at, well, what am I eating? How, you know, am I uh, exercising sufficiently? Am I doing weight-bearing exercise? Am I um, you know, keeping my... Uh, brain ticking over am i engaging in sufficient social contacts am i learning new stuff like it really should be a plan dolores you know a proper plan and who uh,
0: would you suggest that like and this is the thing you know
1: let's say we go into our
0: doctor and the is a male and no disrespect to doctors i mean doctors are absolutely wonderful hmm? do you think that there's a gap there somewhere that maybe a doctor wouldn't um be as familiar with all these symptoms that a woman will go through or am i being a bit
1: naive saying that No, you're not being, doctors don't have to undertake any training in menopause. Okay. Now, and that, just even that one statement, there's, this affects more than 50% of the population. And yet doctors do not have to undertake specific training with regard to menopause in their undergraduate training. GPs have to elect to take a separate module. Now that is going to change and it is changing, Um, but it means that women going in to a GP, might and the GP might know them very well the GP GP is very likely to be very excellent but um, if I go into a GP saying I'm feeling really tired I am feeling quite low and tearful um, really at times feel overwhelmed and not quite sure what to do up until now uh, and with some GPs still now I am very likely to leave that surgery being prescribed an anxiolytic or an antidepressant Mm. and they are exactly Not to to be prescribed to um, women who are through perimenopause and menopause who haven't had a previous history of depression or anxiety. So obviously, if I've had a history of that, then that's a different situation. But if I haven't had a history of depression or anxiety and I go in giving those symptoms, then the GP should be thinking, I wonder, could you be perimenopausal? And the NICE guidelines, the National Institute of Clinical Excellence in the UK have developed a set of guidelines a couple of years ago now on the most appropriate treatment pathway for women who are perimenopausal and menopausal. And they state very clearly that anxiolytics and antidepressants are not an appropriate prescription for women in that in that bracket who are experiencing symptoms of anxiety and depression. And, and yet they're we're very likely to be prescribed those. Even still, Dolores, they're quite likely to be prescribed. So, and or else if I, if I go in, for example, and say, I have extremely itchy skin, it's driving me nuts. I'm scratching at all the time at night. I'm causing my skin to bleed. I feel like I've got insects crawling under my skin. I'm likely to be prescribed, you know, a steroid cream or a referral to a dermatologist, when actually that's about estrogen.
0: Wow. I mean, that is huge because what I think including myself, what, what sometimes can happen, and actually you talk about an itch, is that we go on Google. Yes. So. Google yes. as our doctor, and we can be, become very uh, scared by what we can read about things like having a niche under your skin.
1: Yes. Yeah. And so there's lots of things, there are really lots and lots of things where you would see um, the healthcare provision being somewhat inadequate in that regard. So, for example, a huge set of um, symptoms called the genitourinary syndrome of menopause um, happen in an awful lot of women who are perimenopausal and menopausal. And in fact, that this set of symptoms often don't get better. They get worse, unfortunately. And as a result, you will see a significant number of women perhaps presenting to their GP, talking about having to go to the toilet very frequently, maybe missing the toilet and, and being incontinent, wetting themselves, um, Uh, Feeling that are are experiencing repeat urinary tract infections and having to go on repeated doses of antibiotics, when very likely all of those symptoms are because of lack of estrogen. And so, like there are there are women in nursing homes, for example, many many older women in nursing homes, who have repeat urinary tract infections, um, and who aren't on HRT and aren't prescribed local oestrogen and are in repeated antibiotics. And that adds to the UTIs, urinary tract infections, uh, they, that can add to a confusion an older person is experiencing. Any imbalance in your overall health adds to that confusion. So UTIs are often the cause of an increased level of confusion in uh, older women in nursing homes, for example. But actually a prescription of a local oestrogen, if not, if they weren't on HRT already, the prescription of the local oestrogen could be the much more appropriate treatment of that, but that's rarely used. Wow. Isn't it so wonderful? that
0: uh, that I love the fact that you're doing it with your nursing background, because, I mean, there's lots of people, lots of wonderful um, menopausal health or coaches, yeah. let's say. But I think with your nursing background just gives that, because that's such an interesting statistic about nursing homes, because that's a journey that, and you mentioned that very important point, a lot of times when a woman is at this time of our life when she is going through the menopause i shouldn't snigger because uh, mm-hmm. i've been there myself it's like you're you're also going, th- going through the merry dance of walking your child through their initiation into Absolutely. another part yes. of their life as in like i have two teenage well teenage boy and now an adult boy and at the same time we are also possibly Um, supporting the care of an elderly person who's going through their own. So there's all these external things going on as well. And then, of course, we can lose ourselves in all that. And I suppose that then I'm, I'm, I'm answering my own question early. That lovely treatment pathway you talk about, we forget ourselves and we lose ourselves in the busyness and supporting everyone
1: else. Totally. I mean, I, I've met so many women and I, I work with women one to one as a coach and, and my background I'm a mental health nurse and an intellectual disability nurse and I've also done um, coaching in terms of mental health and well being coaching as well as life and executive coaching and um, I would coach a number of women who would come to me for various reasons. They could be, you know, CEOs of services and uh, they come to me because of the pressures of that. And yet when we get working together and and, and actually what triggered the development of this program for me, as as well as my own experience of perimenopause and menopause, when I work with these women very, very often, I would say maybe 80 percent of the women I work with the issue has been um, not properly labelled as being relevant to their perimenopause and menopause journey. And when they then go and look into that and I educate them about what is is involved and how they need to, uh, you know, the steps they need to consider in terms of their self-care and they go and do that and then maybe go to their GP and have HRT prescribed, the difference is phenomenal.
0: So you mentioned HRT, uh, sorry, what's
1: HRT. HRT. It
0: left my mind there momentarily. So is that something you advocate or something that you say to people, look at your own treatment pathway and see if it suits you? And if not, there are there is an alternative. What's your um, it's, it's
1: okay, so it's very much an individual decision. Absolutely, I wouldn't force. You know, I mean, and I'm not a doctor. I'm not prescribing medications, and I wouldn't dream of it. I wouldn't dream of taking over that role or pretending in any way that I'm taking over that role. And I'm. uh, My focus is to educate the woman so that you have the information to go and self advocate. That's really important because if we go into any GP and we can articulate what we feel the issue is and have some information behind us, it places us in a much more informed position. And um, it's. So so that's really important. It's really, really important. So from my perspective, HRT had a horrific press, really bad press. And that was because of a 2001 study um, that the Women's Health Initiative did, which was a, a billion dollar study in the U.S., which was set up to look at whether HRT, hormone replacement therapy, can have a positive impact on cardiovascular health in women. In, in menopausal women okay so uh, that's what the study was set up for but out of that study they declared um, th- th- wrongly that um HRT causes breast cancer and they there was a huge sensationalist level of reporting in 2001 2002 from the Women's Health Initiative, some of the people who've been involved in it and various journalists, and that resulted in a whole load of women coming off HRT Um, and it was absolutely invalid it is invalid what they said, first of all the study wasn't set up to look at breast cancer. Secondly, incorporated women who were largely in their 60s, most of whom were overweight, most of our significant proportion. I'm not sure if it was most, but quite a large proportion smoked. So they didn't represent the um, average perimenopausal, menopausal woman, because you have sort of a 10 year window from when you have your last period um, to have the best opportunity to have HRT. Now, that doesn't mean you can't go on it later, but that's the best time to use it. And the science is showing that hormone replacement therapy causes very little ill effects in comparison to how, how much benefit it can bring a person. And um, so I, I would advocate the use of HRT. Um, I can't use it myself, unfortunately, because of a uh, breast cancer history, very significant breast cancer history in, in my own family in younger women. And that's different than a breast cancer history in your family of older women. Okay. Um, so there. The hrt replaces to the level not not to the level of hormones you would have had as a young woman which would be, would be too high. We don't need that level of hormones. Um, but it just replaces the piece you're missing for this stage of life. And it makes a considerable difference to an awful lot of women. It also protects heart health. It protects your bone health very much. And it also protects your brain health. Um, testosterone, for example, helps with your clarity of thought and your mood, as does estrogen. So I would I would advocate for the use of HRT. I think the benefits far outweigh the very, very, very small risk um in terms of um health you know negative health impacts
0: well i appreciate your you're telling us about that because i think it's good to hear it from someone as i say with your background in that
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know we, we could go on forever talking about this uh, there's just i suppose one thing that is well um i love talking about is different cultures you know uh, the fact that we we all have different initiations in our life, and I talked about a little bit earlier. You know, uh, the initiation into teenagehood mm-hmm. and the initiation into motherhood for a woman, and then the initiation initiation into our more crone years, yes. or our you know when we're getting that older. And really, the difference that 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 society has in the East compared to the West, like aging, really doesn't really get a good rap in the West which is a lot of, you know, feeling of a lack of relevance when we're no longer, um, you know, no longer of childbearing years. Mm-hmm. And, and then the difference with the Eastern culture where age is held in such an honourable position.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100 percent, Dolores. And um, for some reason or other, our fertility is all tied up with how relevant we are in the um, in the West, which is just crazy. You know, we are so much more than our ovaries. Um, so, and so in the East, you know, the stage of menopause is considered like a second spring um, where you have, a, you know, an inherent wisdom that should be appreciated and used. That is definitely not the case in the East or in the West. Apologies. Um, we are there is a feeling, I think, that an awful lot of women will feel in the West that we become invisible and um, that we yeah, we're we're no lo- we no longer have anything to bring, but that's really wrong. I mean, if you think of the volume of experience and wisdom we have as we get to this stage of our life, and how much we've learned, and we've often reached, um, you know, a higher level in terms of our career at this point, and then to um, be affected by our hormones in terms of them letting us down, and also uh, that cultural view that we are less relevant is really very tragic uh, for very many women and it feeds into the gender pay gap uh, inequality in terms of healthcare, care etc that we are just not considered as important um, and not worth the investment now that's not a global thing but it's it's certainly felt by a lot of women in western society you have to fight further and longer to sort of maintain a relevance the older you become
0: yeah and you know yeah i mean the wisdom part is just as say yes we've gone through our our heroine's journey um yes. and we've we've learned we've got so much wisdom accumulated and you know it also comes to mind a time where some women as well of course can have children that are uh leaving home and going to college and you know that all again feeds into into our mood and our oh my goodness this, there's so much we could talk about here yes, um, yes. Nicolene. And there's positives too,
1: Dolores. You know, well, like there there are. Po- let let us end on the positive. Yeah. yeah. So if we if we um have an opportunity to be educated and supported to be our own self advocate and and radically self care, then the sky's the limit. You know, um, you can recreate and yourself. You can um take on the world, and with the knowledge that you. Like we, because our estrogen is is lower, much much lower. If you're not on HRT, uh, estrogen is a pro-social hormone. So, and that's a, a purposeful in terms of evolution. We need to be interested in socially in order to engage with a mate and procreate and keep the the race going. But if uh, if we don't um, have the, that level of estrogen anymore, then we don't have the same care in terms of, um, you know, we're freer in, in with regard to, you know, not being so bothered what people think of you,
0: you mm. know, pushing
1: yourself out there and saying, well, this is what I want to do. Um, I'm not really going to be constrained by other people's perceptions. And that's a great freedom to feel this is my time. But we first of all, um, or in yeah, first of all, we need to take care of ourselves and get ourselves into the best shape physically and mentally, so that we can enjoy the 20 to 40 years more we have post menopause. A hundred years ago, we died in our late 50s, so you couldn't see the impact of the absence of hormones for any real length of time. Now, a hundred years on, we are living 20 to 40 years longer, um, and we that that's a shame if we don't make the most of that, and if we don't um, have the opportunity to self care Care and don't have the tools to understand what is happening then it really disadvantages us um, but but if we do have that education and support then we can take on the world i love it
0: nicola if somebody wants to work with you can you tell us how they can either get yeah. in touch uh, i love the menopause maze but also in your life coaching
1: Yes, absolutely. I, I'd love to hear from anyone. It's my my number is 087-919-7744. and my email is nicola at menopausemaze.ie, um, and I'm also on Twitter at menopausemaze. Phenomenal. That's great. And you see people one on one. I see people one-on-one and I also do group um, education and support and actually both work. I mean, I, I love both. Um, I love when you get to know somebody really well through the one-on-one process. That's that there's such a richness there it's fabulous um, and when you see those light bulb moments and you see people yes. women the women taking on you're suddenly saying you know you know what i need to do this for me and i'm going to do it for me i love seeing that um but i also love working with groups because the i think we have a very special dynamic as group of groups of women i love the energy from groups of women i just think it's infectious it boys uh, boys us up it fills us up and um, and there's something about a group of women you know sharing that yeah we have all similar experiences now we don't have the same journey of course we don't have the same experiences in perimenopause and menopause but we have similar and we can relate to the struggles that we are each we each have experienced and we can support each other in terms of practical steps but also just with encouragement and affection and um, care and compassion and I I think there's something really powerful about that uh, process too I, and I've seen it you know in, in groups when I'm that talking about often very intimate things like libido or um, you know vaginal atrophy that's very intimate information and yet in a group setting women women seem able to share that when they mightn't actually share that at all with their gp or with a single friend they they are able to share that you know these are the struggles i'm having and what can i do and they learn from each other so both individual and group work is um very useful and it, it just equips the woman to decide to take care of herself i mean i was working in a group recently and one woman said to me um that's it she said i'm actually going to make a person-centered plan for me Love so, thought, yeah that's great
0: person-centered plan I must take that down I love that mm. Nicola that's absolutely fantastic and I'm so looking forward to continuing this conversation with you in relation to women in the workforce for yes. my corporate wellness part of me so absolutely. yes because I think that's a huge conversation that many women will, will, will enjoy hearing as well so I will put the links to all of our conversations um, on my website and all that Nicola, yes. thank you so much for giving up your time and speaking us to us today and informing us how we can take a more active uh, role in our own healthcare for something that we all go through. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Women's Empowerment Podcast. If you want to connect with me, you can do so at my website, DoloresAndrew.com.